I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Welcome to Hey, I Want Your Job. And today I am joined by somebody who I really hope that more and more women listen to this, watch this, think she's amazing. I totally want her job. Ilke, what is your job title? Hello. That was a so great of an introduction. I don't know. I just forgot my title. <laughs> what do Sorry. I do? Who am I? <laughs> Um, I'm a senior staff research scientist that is doing math scientist stuff with AI. Okay. <laughs> so when people hear AI, they tend to think like, you know, Hal in 2001, right? Like it's going to take over the world. In my world, they think that it's what rejects them when they apply for jobs. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. I, believe me. Believe me. I know. So tell everybody, what do you actually do and please reassure everybody that you are not designing the robot overlords of the future that will put us all into um a subservient role absolutely yeah that is that is so 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 further in the future so don't worry about that <laughs> so um i am a, uh i'm basically like my by my bachelor's and phd etc a computer scientist and my specialization is in machine learning and computer vision and mostly in 3d vision so all the 3d stuff that like for example like the thing that we hear a lot today like uh, about metaverse and digital humans and how we can do 3d architecture 3d cities 3d urban planning in a way that we let the computers do it by themselves instead of we designing like every little detail by hand so that is like basically using machine learning and ai techniques um in 3d vision okay and what do the things that you design wind up being when you're done with all of these visions and designs? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually worked in many different things. So there are so many domains that we work on. Um, but for example, the most, I don't know, um, popular, one of the most popular ones is satellite imagery. So how can we understand what is going on on those like very like um, complex satellite imagery to actually extract maps? So that is one thing that we can do with deep learning and machine learning and just like let the machines learn from satellite imagery to automatically extract maps. Another thing that we do is how we can model human behavior in virtual reality. So we have all those headsets and uh, AR and VR devices and how we can actually uh, predict what we are doing, for example, using deep learning. If I'm like looking like this, maybe I can predict that my next um, gaze direction is actually sequential and looking there. So that is something else that you can model with deep learning. We can create 3D content as digital humans, for example. If instead of seeing me in 2D, we can have multiple cameras and we can use different approaches to have the 3D version of me, uh, which is uh, a little bit like, I, I, I would, I know like because of COVID and because of remote connections, like we are always 2D to each other, but <laughs> I would love to have this conversation in 3D where I can like walk around you, show my enthusiasm, like you don't see what my feet are doing right now, but anyway, so yeah, <laughs> those are like some of the 3D things that we do. 
And so why do you think that people hear the word AI and people not in the tech industry immediately freak the fuck out? And why do you think that we have this immediate mental correlation between terrible things that we don't like in our world or are afraid that our world is going to do or become and the term AI? Um, maybe. So there, there are different perspectives. One perspective that I definitely don't blame is science fiction. <laughs> All the books and movies and everything that we have been um, uh, watching are more on the dystopian side than the utopian side because there's always that battle against the robots or AI or like that evil emotionless thing that we are having the battle with. Instead, that evil emotionless thing is actually probably the people that we are having the battle with, but that's another issue that okay. like the, <laughs> I'm just like putting it away. Um, but I think um, whenever there is a new technology, all the press and journalists, etc. Um, make the news in a way that, okay, this is like changing our world, changing our world in a bad way because this is like enabling things that they don't understand to, to have control over their lives, which is not true. So AI is like, is, 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 is an algorithm that is a little bit more complex and a little bit more autonomous, but that doesn't mean that it has intentions or it has like bad things to do in mind. It's just all the bad things that AI is doing is actually carrying the bias or the systematic evilness in the data and like applying it to our world, like whatever that AI task is designed for. So whatever the data collector, data gatherer, the algorithm developer, the AI system developer has as evil is carried toward, carried with that AI algorithm, AI system to the actual lives of the people. So I think that that, like, I think that's a really good point, right? So we are at this place where all of us, regardless of your preferences in entertainment, are at least in some way familiar with not just science fiction, but like generations of a relationship with science fiction, right? So like our, like the Terminator, I, I'm definitely showing my age to say that I was around when the Terminator came out, but like that whole idea of Skynet and, you know, it, it's been here. It's been pervasive part of our culture. And I think that like, it sounds kind of funny to say, talk about, oh, you know, it's science fiction's fault. But I actually think that I, I tend to agree with you that that's part of it. And I think that also like we as people want something to blame that's not us. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. blaming faceless robots. Are you kidding me? That's like the best thing to blame because that's not even like a person who can defend themselves. It's a faceless robot. So, you know, I know, like I tell my job seekers all the time, like, like, oh, you know, I, I, it's the ATS bot that keeps rejecting me. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's a human being that is looking at what you have submitted and decided no. And that's their job to do that. And I know you don't like that answer. And I know it makes it feel more personal if another human being did it, but it doesn't stop it being true. True. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that you're on to- But there's also the other way around, like when the decision makers wants to blame something, they also sometimes use, use AI. So um, I think I gave the same example somewhere else, but um, just like imagine there is like a police station um, that is assuming that people of one race are always criminal. 
So what they, as people do, is like, okay, this person belongs to that race, so it is criminal, like the second one, third one, etc. Now, imagine that they are building an AI system based on that data in that police station, um, based on what they have recorded, right? So when a new one comes with the AI system, uh, the AI system will say that, oh, like, that person belongs to that race, so it's criminal because that's what that's what it learned from the existing data. But now the police station has the freedom to say that um, oh, AI system decided that that person was criminal. I did not decide that AI system. No, like that's the same data that AI is based on. So like yes. it's, it's it's both ways, right? Like so it, it's as you said, it's always easy to blame AI, uh, but it's it's just a tool. It's just a tool that helps us, just carries whatever is is given uh, to teach it to 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 next generation, to whatever it is like uh, applied to. And I think you know, with that, I think that it makes it. We always, like you said, like we both, we always want to abdicate responsibility is what it really comes down to, right? It's not my fault that my resume wasn't great. It's the ATS bot. It's not a human that rejected me. It's not a person's fault. Like it's, we want to push responsibility off on something else. But one of the things I think is interesting about what you said is that a human being programmed that AI, a human being set it up. And that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is that one of the things we also hear a lot about is that there is an increasing reliance on AI for making decisions, for doing, you know, data analysis and that kind of stuff, but that it has bias and that we like to think, oh, there is no bias. It is just, you know, a computer, but we also have empirical data that says otherwise. We know that AI skews. I think I know things about this, but I would rather you talk about as the actual expert on this call. <laughs> um, what, like, where is the the where is the bias in AI? Where is the concern about bias? Like, what does bias in AI look like? Yeah. Um, so it first of all, it, it, it there may be bias in different places. In like, in it can be in deployment or post-processing, it can be in the algorithm itself, it can be in the data itself, but like most of the time it is the data. And um, for example, if you are building an AI system that is that you want to use for humans, the data that you need to give to the AI should be covering all the population, all like all the demographic information, like independent of our labels. So maybe our labels are, I don't know, like um, based on skin tone, based on uh, eye tone, eye color, based on age, etc. But there are other other labels that still contain information, maybe not as semantically meaningful to us, but it is actually, uh, it needs to be generalized to the whole population. So. Uh, as I said, like one of the examples that I gave, um, if you are building an eye tracking system, right, using AI, you cannot exclude some of the people saying that, okay, like if people have this type of eye disease, like uh, that they cannot control their eyes, we are excluding them and we want to deploy this to the all users of that 
the headset. You can't do that. There needs to be like those, like all, all population needs to be covered. Like similarly, if you remember the very, like the very first version of Google Photos, um, African-American people were labeled as monkeys, which is like unbelievable. Like how someone let that, uh, let that AI algorithm to the world without even testing it like that, right? So, but if you only, if you, train that AI algorithm only on white people, of course it will try to say something else to the others that the, it's, it's so more. So that is, um, uh, so for, for all those like semantic classes or like for all those like classes that can carry information, there is that data distribution and that data distribution always has a long tail. Um, the popular example that, that we always give is the kinds of birds, right? Like there are thousands of Types of, types of birds in the world and if you are trying to train an AI to classify the birds probably there will always one bird there will be always one bird but one bird that it never saw and it will try to say that oh this, that is not a bird of that uh, very special type but it is I don't know um, a, a seagull or something like that right so I agree that it may not be possible to collect the that comprehensive data uh, from all the birds in the world, but it doesn't, it should not give the freedom to the AI system to classify it some, as something else. There are many different ways, right? Like it can say that, I don't know what it is. It can just say no, or it can just say like, I think it is a seagull, but I am really 5% confident. So don't believe me, right? These are all the things that it can do instead of just saying, okay, this is a seagull, definitely. So um, that is like, um, and, and of course there are other, other ways that you can approach to that. Like if you're, if you are sure that your, um, data has a long tail distribution, you can try different training algorithms. You can weight the, um, the, you can change the, the balance, the weights, you can do some dynamic, uh, uh adaptive learning, etc. So there are all the things that have, have been like uh, discussed in research, uh, research, research community. But what I'm saying is if you know that there is that imbalance and there, if you know that your data is biased, you cannot just take it and give it to the world. You cannot deploy it. You cannot like let everyone in the world use it. So that's, that's the main problem. When we researchers build something, um, people see it and oh, this is awesome. We will just use it. Yeah. No, there needs to be like policies, et cetera, for deployment. And see, I hear that, but then I know I have as a recruiter, as somebody who does, talent strategy. I have multiple companies trying to sell me that a really great way to handle removal of bias from hiring process is there are platforms and tools that have AI that will judge people based on writing samples, based on video responses to things, based on a whole slew of concerns. And that is so goddamn tempting. Like, I'm not going to lie. Every part of me is like, yes, if this thing works, we should do it. But then, <laughs> yeah, the, the rest of me is like, ah, so as soon as you tell me that it is bias free, that's a red flag because I'm savvy enough about technology to understand that there's developer bias. And so it, it's not bias free. It is, it is a consistent bias, which yeah. humans are not. <laughs> it is potentially a bias that you can wait for or against, right? Like you can, 
you can, pre it's a predictable bias, which it is not with humans, but it, it's not unbiased. What your explanation, like from what you've just said, I cannot imagine that you would ever say, you know what we should do is turn over all recruitment to some AI, because obviously that shit knows what it's talking about. So where is this disconnect in your community? Like, why do we have some people trying to sell this? And then we have the people like you going, that would be really crazy. Why would you do that? Um, I think people always want some way of automation and those like AI systems are doing some automation. And in those tools that uh, you just mentioned, um, just even like forget about AI and algorithmically you want to order all of the uh, candidates based on some success criteria. Even if you are not like saying like yes or no, you want to order them, etc. So how do you order them? Do you order them based on GPA? Do you order them based on like some, like, I don't know, um, number of languages that they know, etc. Even that is some kind of automation that people started using right now like um can we at this clue then can we at this feature can we at this um criteria for ordering them then it became like more like an ai system about like how do we because like with all those features it's like a more like very high dimensional space to cluster and like uh find some clues right and in that space then they are trying to use ai to learn who is more who is better, who is not better. And this is not a really well-defined task because um, people don't show their abilities or skills or capabilities in the same way. Yeah. Um, so like even, and, and um, on the resumes or on, on the, on the um, facial, like on the answers, like facial acting, like everyone is so different. And there are also like some unnecessary clues, right? Like maybe, um, I don't know, maybe like I, I keep using my hands a lot, for example. And if that is coincidentally uh, matching with some feature, I don't know, like with the, I, just like um, the people that like, use their hand more has higher GPA. I don't know. That's just like a one irrelevant sure. correlation. Then the system will learn that, oh, like in the interview, if he, if he's, uh, she's uh, using the hands more, then she's a successful. No, that's not possible. And like that, that are, um, meaningful correlations that are actually showing the otherwise. So, uh, for example, uh, women and underrepresented minorities are using their um, uh, micro expressions a little bit more than um, others because um, they have, I don't know, maybe a little bit like more um, multidimensional thinking. So that makes them nervous or anxious, or like, even if they very well know the answer, they may hesitate to say that because they want to double check that they answer, uh, understand the correct uh, question correctly, etc. So all of those input is giving such a high dimensional space to um, evaluate people. And um, all those companies and tools that you are saying are saying that, okay, yeah, we can do it without bias. Like we so all the people in the world. So that's, then, that's really what you're saying basically that, um, that AI has a tendency to conflate correlation with causation and that um, like, because there's a correlation between hand flapping and higher GPA to use a great example, then therefore it will map to those things. And then that reinforces our bias because humans, you know, we have a tendency to assume, oh, these things are correlated. Ergo, hand flapping makes for better GPA ever, but the flap your hands, right? So like that, um, 
Okay, that's that is really interesting. I think that that all of this has been fascinating and it kind of piggybacks into the thing that I wanted to talk to you about more, which is what I hear from you is that we one of the things that we need to do to fix the bias and AI for anything measuring humans, especially, um, is to have more diversity of people working on the AI, that the developer bias is going to, whether or not they wish to see it or admit it, it will creep into the programming. And so we need more women, we need more minorities. You happen to be a woman. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Um, so how, why do we not have women in this space? And how do we fix it? There are different reasons in different levels of life. Um, one of the biggest ones is um, there's always that choice versus like family versus career, as if that choice is only for women, not for men, right? Yeah. Um, some cultures, especially, they put all that like home burden on women so that men can work and bring money, et cetera, as if it's not a balanced game. Um, that I think everyone is aware of. And like um, from generation to generation, I can see that that's actually like reducing a little bit. Um, like now we have computer scientists, Barbies, right? Uh <laughs> I mean, there's still Barbies. Let's not go nuts, right? <laughs> Don't congratulate ourselves too much. Like they still have a very problematic toy, but yes, you're Right. They are at least now like computer exactly. scientists. It's yeah. like very tiny step that now Barbie says that you can do anything. Uh, thanks, Barbie. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, and there is like, um, because of that, there are like dropout rates in different times. So I think in the um, early education, it's like almost the same, like, well, like, um, art majors are same as science majors, etc. between girls or STEM majors between uh, uh, girls and boys. Um, but the more it gets harder, um, I think there is some resistance between like, oh, like is like for, for, for the woman, it's like, oh, is it hard? You can also try this. But for men, is it hard? Like you can do this. You must do this. You can do whatever, like it is a challenge, etc. So it's a little bit motivational in that sense. And then of course like in the uh, uh, in the college and uh, in grad school um, the push for perseverance is different for those genders and by that time they're already seeing less role models less of their peers etc so they're saying like, why am i the only woman in this class am i is there something wrong with me like why am i trying so hard to belong if i don't belong i will just drop right i mean no one exactly thinks it in one second but right. like it is so much building up that like i i even think like Sometimes I like, I, I never thought of like uh, leaving, etc. but I always saw that like, uh, by the time, like I'm like going higher in my education, the number of women definitely drops and I don't know why. And everyone has their personal reason. But if you combine all of that personal reason, there is the commonality, which is lack of support, lack of belonging, lack of acknowledgement, lack of feeling that you deserve to be there. Yeah. Like you work even harder than others because others have that support system in their colleagues, between their colleagues. You don't have that support system. You are trying to do it by yourself. And 
people give up in that in that isolation. I also think that being the only chick in the room sucks over and oh it's just like it's just draining and tiring to have nobody be able to to always have it be the novelty thing you know i've been um in some places where like it didn't occur to them like offices that only have like one or two women and like things like it didn't occur to them to have a trash can at the women's restroom and you're like really really guys Come on now. Like, and it's, it, and they're not trying to be intentionally awful, but when you, like, it's a thousand, it's death by a thousand cuts that way. And the entire, that lack of awareness, that lack of, of kind of pervasity of women within the, within the discipline winds up meaning that it then reinforces not having women there, right? So mm -hmm. obviously representation matters. And so, I mean, like, I guess I feel like for years, because I'm, I'm old at this point, and even back, uh -huh, oh, oh, okay, behind this purple hair and makeup, trust me, um, is a hardcore Gen Xer. Um, but I, even when I was in college, even when I was in high school, we already were starting the women in STEM programs. We were already starting the, the outreach programs, et cetera. And it seems like that has been our answer for 30 years that I know of. And yet, we still don't have a huge difference in the percentage. So to me, that indicates that doesn't work. I know you are active in those programs, so obviously you believe there's merit. So help me, help convince me that I'm wrong and I'm missing something <laughs> and that they... They definitely are working and, and, and we're going to be okay. I think um, done well, they are partially working, but um, it's just instead of um, women or girls in STEM dropping early on, now they are dropping late on. So it's not just like welcoming them uh, to the table, but also giving a voice to them and making them feel like they, they deserve that, that, uh, space in the table instead of just like okay yeah now we have girls let's continue it's not like that it's like listen them like give value to them make them feel belong and um that's why like in different communities in different levels we need more of those support networks to make people make make people not just make women but make people uh, understand that they belong um, if, if, if there's just like, I, I have seen some friends um, being the token woman in a very like old white male meeting and whatever she tries to say, like they don't listen or they just repeat what she says and becomes suddenly like best idea in the room, etc. You know, like all those, all those like, stere uh, like uh, stereotypes. Um, but mm, it's not having her there. It's having her there for a reason to give her a voice, to make her belong, to learn from her, etc. So, um, for example, like, um, like most of the things that we are trying to do in like those uh, organisms that, that, that you mentioned, like for example, women in computer vision, women in machine learning, um, uh, the sisters, the Turkish women in computing, in all of them, um, we are trying to 
make all the stories shared and heard, not only from junior researchers or not from students, but also from very senior researchers, which was like, if, if there is like a senior woman researcher, I am sure that she has so many stories that she battled and she won. Um, so learning from them, um, understanding that like it is challenging, but we are changing the future and having them as role models is very important. And I think like the continuum from like K-12 to all the way to that like uh, like senior woman um, needs that plug-in in every level. And it is working in a way that I know it is a slow progression, but I, I have seen it working. Like I have seen... Um, like anytime that we end Wikvi, a woman in computer vision uh, workshop that is like every year, um, everyone is like, oh my God, like I am not alone. I am here. I belong. And I can see in that like little grad students' eyes that, yes, like, don't worry. I know you are the only woman in your lab, but we are here. Like the, the support network after those workshops is super important. The, we write papers together, we solve things together. Sometimes they really have like very um, pressing issues like about the lab environment, about harassment, about like many different things. And because those networks uh, are in place, we can actually provide solutions or sometimes change schools, sometimes change, change like labs, etc. So I think it is working. Um, not as fast as we would like, but um, I, I can be the bear witness that it is working. <laughs> I want to talk about, pick up on a piece that you said there that I think doesn't get enough press in the sciences, which is the sexual harassment component. I think people think of sciences and like, oh, they're very professional, like they're, you know, focused on like their study and their science and that kind of thing obviously can't happen there. And my experience is that that is exactly the opposite in a lot of ways, that because there is so little representation of women, that there aren't, there isn't the level of awareness of inappropriate behaviors or hostile environment or that sort of thing that you have in a lot of other industries that would just like, oh my God, what is this, 1952? <laughs> you can't say that or, or do that, still happens in that, those industries. And I think the other thing is that and you can tell me if I have this totally wrong, but I don't think I do. Um, but in a lot, because so much science is funded by grants mm -hmm. and grants often big names get big grants, there is definitely a culture of celebrity in science, for want of a better term, that I think people outside of that sector don't anticipate or understand. And then there is a massive culture of if that person behaves badly, that we ignore it and it's allowed because we need them to be here to get the grant money or to get the, you know, investment money or like, you know, whichever way you're going from a funding perspective. Um, and that from that can be major issues along the harassment and discrimination lines. You don't have to give examples personally, but you're nodding, which makes me think that I'm not crazy to think that this oh, definitely. is real. So talk to me about what that actually looks like, boots on the ground, as somebody living it. Yeah, yeah. So there are definitely those clicks. 
um, and uh, you are whether in the clique or outside of the clique. If you are outside the clique, like your opportunities are less, the resources are less, as you said, grants or collaborations or any, any anything that you can benefit are not are passing you like it's like you don't exist in that world and um unfortunately those cliques are always around those big names and big labs and big universities and that makes them even more powerful so if there's something that is done out of proportion or like some there's like some really bad behavior that is also like um kind of erased by that power um you if like uh, it, it stays there like the powerless person cannot say anything he or she just leaves and that's the end of the story and such support networks are also trying to like float these issues like don't let it like just keep silence and like keep silent and like that person leaves like that should not be the solution because then what happens to the next person that goes there right so um, I'm not like I like there are many policies and there are many movements around that uh, like uh, when some person does that even if um, um, the, it's not um, even if the people are not in this affiliated with the same uh, university or company there are like workshops or communities or such networks that can actually do something about it um, and that is like to the extreme like in the in the in the softer case when you are not in a click and you are just like omitted because you are not in a click which you cannot like you cannot complain to some to, to saying okay like why i can't have those opportunities but that person does right i, I sometimes i still don't have the answer for that <laughs> i wish i did um but um we are making the senior leaders not just women but like senior leaders like those big names in big cliques etc about this power dynamics so that they and some of them are really helpful some of them are like oh i did not know that like yes i will just like push this opportunity to uh, not only to my bubble but also out of my, my bubble and like that's how like omni contribution omni mission and etc gets those all, all of those opportunities um normally they would never hear about that but like those um allies and big names that are actually aware of that power dynamics they actually reach out extensively do something about it and change that culture and that's that that's very helpful of that helpful for everyone too so it feels to me that really we're one of the things that's gonna i, I feel like listening to you and what i had known before i wonder if what we're really going to have to do to change the percentage of women in science is to change how we fund science. That as long as we give power to people who have a big name, et cetera, as long as there is that that cult of personality, um, that that does a few things, right? So it has like the sexual harassment and bad behavior issue that we we're talking about, but it also means that it, it the barrier to entry for new ideas, fresh perspectives, people who aren't part of that club is outrageously high. So it feels, and it feels like it really all comes back to the money and the, the privilege that is the connections, et cetera, in order to get the money. So if I gave you a magic wand and I said, okay, go, go fix it. What would funding for science, what would it look like that would then throw the gates open and have women and 
people of all backgrounds and everything come flooding in and to the STEM world? Yeah, I think <laughs> I wish that was possible, but um, especially for funding and resources, like it should be independent of titles. It should be independent of gender. It should be independent of um, for specific projects. Like it should be just about the project, like whoever has the better idea, whoever has a better plan, um, maybe like whoever is more passionate about it. Um, instead of like, for example, we have like uh, when, when I'm involved in some like grand decisions, um, I'm not looking at whether it is like the best university of best people, etc. because I know that that will, they are not enthusiastic about it as much as like a newly starting professor in a smaller university that probably spent months to write that grant instead of like just like that big professor that just like changed a couple of words from the previous grant, right? Um, so I would just like, I would be very happy like when we are doing such evaluation, such resource allocation, um, just look at what what is in front of you and don't evaluate it based on the name i know that is harder people don't read you know like people say okay like this person is from i don't know from from mit i trust it and they don't read and it gets accepted as that, that, that's like the extreme of course they are reading and evaluating uh, but i really think that there is that human bias saying that okay if it's a good university it will be good it may not be and it may not it will be even less 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 um um, given less importance, less priority. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would definitely, I would love like uh, those decisions to be made without names, without anything that is irrelevant to the idea itself. So, here's an interesting idea to go with that. So, um, one of the things that's very common right now in recruitment is there are programs that not only remove names, but remove gendered language from documents. And so mm -hmm. the idea is, so um, like one of my clients is really trying hard to hire more women in technology to work with them. Like it's a really active initiative from them. And so one of the things that they're doing to try that is to, they have a, a program that scans for gendered language and it has to come out as gender neutral in the language, which by the way is hilarious because it thinks the word active is masculine. And so when I'm trying to recruit for an, somebody with active directory as a skill set, it keeps telling me that it's really masculine and I'm like, no, it's just it's just a really specific skill. Like I can't, I can't help that that's what it's called. But at any rate, um, we could put all proposals through that, right? So they go in blind, no institution, no faculty name, no none of that. And then a gender neutralized language beyond that and then review it. What do you think? For grant proposals, maybe that's fine because that's based on the project idea. But for recruitment, I don't think oh, that yeah. because, yeah, I mean. It doesn't help. Like, like yeah. I mean, I'm going to meet the person, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, even, even before that, like, yeah. you can't make it gender. So 
there, there's AI algorithms, there are machine learning algorithms that already solve that uh, women put 50% uh, of what they can do and uh, men put 150% of what they can do, whether, and they, what, like both of them, both of the, their exact uh, capabilities is 100%. So if you convert this to general natural language, then you are co like comparing person A with 50% skills to person B with 150% skills, which is even worse maybe. Because the bias that you already, it's a learned bias, like it's like 50 to 100%. That's the same algorithm, right? So right, when yeah. you are neutralizing it, why don't you neutralize it for overcoming that bias, that negative bias? And I love that you've said that because that's one of the things, like I work with all of my clients around higher women, especially in technology, is that people act like technology and sciences are very black and white, right? They get very defensive. Oh, you, there's good code and there's bad code. Incorrect. There is code that works and then there's a whole bunch of opinion. And that's the goddamn truth. The rest is subjective. And so, so start with that. But then the other thing, piece of it is that when we interview people, which is always part of hiring, they, we know that women tend to qualify in our language a lot more. Oh, you know, I just did this. Well, I think it would probably be that. And so we know that women perform less well on interviews around hard skills or technical knowledge because people interpret that as less confident less knowledgeable and actually it's just that we've taught women you can't just have a goddamn opinion <laughs> you have to qualify everything you say 15 times over and so i think that that's kind of what you're saying right so i have to teach i have to coach my hiring managers listen just because she says i think or probably or well um it might be and the other person is saying it's definitely such and so just because he's bullshy does not mean that he's better or smarter than her. It just means that we have taught him that it's okay to be that way. And we've told her she has to be that way. And you know what I think? I think she's um, in, in that exact situation. I think she she's better because she's probably thinking in a multi-perspective way that maybe it's not de defined in the question itself and she's saying that oh it's probably this because this is not defined or like this other aspect can happen and the other and the guy is not thinking about it's definitely yep. this what about this like whenever i i hear that like overconfidence in in a in a um, answer i always tend to find that little bug or little thing that it is making it not definitely so that's my i totally totally agree with you there are very few things in this world that are definite right yes. and there are even fewer in a hypothetical interview question for sure i also think it's fascinating. I have um, a number of clients that ask candidates to self-assess their ability on certain skills. So it'd be like, oh, okay, so we're hiring for a Java stack on a scale of one to 10. How would you rate yourself on, you know, Java Spring, Hybrid 8, blah, blah, blah. And consistently, women rate themselves lower. Consistently. Does that in any way reflect their actual ability? No, it does not. Yeah. Yeah. And even like having that as an exercise, even a thing that you're considering, I'm like, look, 
I don't know what you thought you were achieving with this. <laughs> like, you have no objective standard against anything for them to be able to judge. Like, it's just words, just words. And, and it's really, it's so frustrating. And I think that, like, you must get frustrated as well with this whole, like, idea that, like, there's an empirical good, bad, right, wrong, like anything beyond effective or not effective, and then the judgment that goes with it. Talk to me, like, you've managed to, with all of this working against you, get to where you are and do great and cool things. So, like, what's your secret sauce? How did you rise when when others didn't? Did you just not care and you just went to everybody? Or how did that go? <laughs> um. I think I always persevered a lot. I like I I pushed, pushed, pushed. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I pushed a lot, but um, like I am a consistent person. I want consistency around me. Around about like um, when I do something, I ex when I do something over and over, I expect the same thing to happen. Um, and following that, like I always knew there's other things that I can try and I can explore and I can, I don't know, I can achieve. But starting one thing, which I am really passionate about, why don't I like progress that? So anything that was, that seemed like an obstacle, that was always a way around if, if I tried in, tried hard enough. And maybe that's like my, I don't know, whether char character defect or character plus, I don't know, like in different opinions, but um, that helped me overcome many things. And then I found the support networks, for example, like I think the first, um, the first one that I always, I, I will always be uh, grateful to will be uh, woman and shape uh, modeling. Uh, it is under uh, association of um, women in mathemati mathematics, um, and um, we have a wonderful group there that we are doing research together, that we are like enjoying together, and um, that's a really strong network. And um, hearing it, and we have like very like uh, established professors there. We have grad students there, so like it's it's a mix of ages and titles. I don't want to say titles, but ages and levels, maybe. I don't know. Um, so I know what you meant, you're fine. What? I said, I know what you meant, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's really enlightening. And I think after, so before before I met that, met, met that group, um, I was always silent. I was always hesitating. I was always, um, should I say that? Not say that? Should I, or, or should I interrupt? No. Like, oh, I was about to say that. Oh, he said it. Oh them like should i say that okay oh i think this oh that's already said you know like i was always my hesitant while i'm hesitating it was always said by someone else or done by someone else and i'm like am i slow like what's happening what's it why like why then i i met that very collaborative very like supporting research environment and in there everyone was included there was no urgency there was no like hesitation it was okay to be wrong it was okay to say something without actually having the reference ready and because like whenever, whenever i'm like saying something scientific i'm always thinking like oh where did i read that which paper was it and 
I don't always need to give like the perfect reference when I say, I, I can't say that, oh, I read it somewhere. I will check it and come back to you later, you know? And I wasn't like, I wasn't like that. So after that like wish uh, Roman shape modeling workshop, um, I was like, yeah, I have a voice. I can use it. I, I can say it. I can say like, if I'm, if I have a scientifically valuable sentence in my head, I can say it. And after that, I became so much more, um, collaborative active like i i was suddenly much more valuable to myself to my environments to my lab and i i really um hope that um so i i really like think that, that i think that's, that's great yeah. that it was so it's that representation it's that bonding and that makes perfect sense and i love that and i love that now you're working so hard to give that back <laughs> exactly um and to you know to to be there and um, be, you know, part of that. Um, so I, I think that's wonderful. And we are, we will have all of the links to those groups in the show notes. So for all of the aspiring um, <laughs> women in technology and the women in technology that are watching now and that are like, I, I, I would like a group. <laughs> um, they can come. You don't come, everyone, come. <laughs> um, one of the questions I ask everyone that I haven't asked you yet is how do you answer it when somebody asks you how much you make? How much? Oh, not as much as I, I am worth. <laughs> yes. That is the best answer I think I've ever gotten. That, that is perfect. And on that, we can't top that. We're just going to say thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Thanks. It was a lovely conversation. You've been listening to, Hey, I want your job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no-nonsense career advice, and real-world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>